I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. It couldn't have been a more beautiful day or better setting. It was a sunny July morning, and I was visiting Birch Grove Farm in Deer Park, Wisconsin. A couple of guinea hens squawked as I parked my car in a friendly... German short-hair pointer greeted me as I walked up to the barn. Dexter cattle were contentedly grazing in a pasture just a hundred yards from where I walked. Near the western edge of Wisconsin and only an hour from the metro area of Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota, Birch Grove is a haven. Featuring a 100-year-old timber frame barn in perfect condition, Birch Grove is owned by Kevin and Barb McEnany, They've not only kept that barn in beautiful shape, but they've restored the old hen house, conditioned land for grazing, and have built a new hay shed. They've made their 19-acre spread a home to laying hens, ducks, the aforementioned guinea hens, and a small herd of Dexter cattle. Okay, I know what you're thinking. How can you raise cattle on just 19 acres of land? Well, that's the beauty of the Dexter, and it was why I was at Birch Grove Farm. It was July 22nd, and I'd been invited to attend the Region 12 meeting of the American Dexter Cattle Association. Kevin and Barb were the hosts, along with fellow Wisconsin farmers Sherry and Stephen Wood of Plum Creek Little Cattle Company. Ranchers from Wisconsin, Minnesota, Iowa, North and South Dakota had driven there to catch up on the latest association business, hear about some recent research on hay storage, and get new information about vaccinations, and of course, to enjoy one another's company. I was eager to soak it all in, and although my husband Dave and I are not Dexter ranchers, we raise 100% grass-fed Bolingo cattle, I was given the opportunity to address the group about marketing beef directly to consumers. Dave and I couldn't have felt more welcome. Now, let me take a moment to describe Dexter's, an uncommon breed. At first glance, what sets the Dexter apart is its small size. It's not a miniature cow. The Dexter is, however, smaller than what most Americans are used to. Usually dun, black, or red in color, the female measures about three feet at the hip, while the bulls are three or four inches taller. This is a dual-purpose breed, which means it's used for both meat and milk. And both cows and bulls may be horned or polled, and polled means that they're born without horns. This hardy cattle roamed all across Southern Ireland for centuries before being imported into the U.S. between 1905 and 1915. According to the American Dexter website, these cows are very efficient converters of grass to meat, 
and are therefore ideal for the small acre homestead. You can get lots more information at their website, www.dextercattle.org. Now, back to that Region 12 meeting. After the official business and brief presentations were done, we had a chance to examine the new hay shed, visit with the Dexter cows, bulls, and calves, and enjoy the lush and colorful flower beds surrounding the farmhouse. Then came lunch. Man, what a great potluck. The smoked Dexter brisket was tender and absolutely delicious. Thank you, Kevin. Sitting at picnic tables in the shade gave me an opportunity to ask why these farmers love their Dexters. I first caught up with Jim Wall, the association's immediate past president. Jim, how long have you been associated with Dexter's? We've been raising Dexter's since 2001, so about 16 years. Why the Dexter? Because they're a dual or triple purpose animal. They they serve a milk, meat, and draft uh, market, and also the size of the animal. It is right-sized portions so that the steaks off of a Dexter animal are 8 to 10 ounces instead of the very large steaks that you get off the commercial animals. And also that the... A hanging half of an animal is something that a couple can have and use before before the before it gets old, I guess. So, right, and right. so, so yeah, and that's why. Now, have you been seeing kind of a growth of uh, interest in the Dexter? Oh, absolutely. The Dexters. First of all, when I first started raising Dexters, they were on the endangered list through the Nature Conservancy and the Livestock Breed Conservancy. We have come off the endangered list, and now we are just on the watch list. So there has been an explosion of interest in Dexters. As people wanted to start raising their own meat, there's been a tremendous amount of people leaving the city, moving out, having small acreage places, which is the Dexter's ideal for. They call it a homestead cow. It serves that meat and milk process. I then caught up with Terry Sprague, the director of Region 12. He's been raising Dexters for nine years in Guthrie, Iowa. He's got 12 Dexters on 19 acres. Now that's an interesting thing, that ratio of acreage to the number of cattle. Mm -hmm. Certainly in the upper Midwest where we are blessed with lots of grass, we tend to have large numbers of cattle in ratio to our acreage compared to out west where they have to have thousands of acres in order to raise you know a handful of cows still the number of acres that you just talked about and the number of cattle would surprise people but what is it about the dexter that allows you to have that many animals on the acreage that you have dexters are are known for their efficiency they can convert a lot of lot of uh, from from uh, grass to meat mm-hmm. and with or hay mm-hmm. uh, with little uh, they're pre- just hardy mm-hmm. and and they they are good good production animals but also uh, we were talking a little earlier about the rotational grazing mm-hmm. and we're into that and that allows us to have more cattle per acre 
Right. How big is a Dexter? I mean, many people um, who don't know cattle at all may not have a very good idea of how big a Dexter steer or cow or bull might be. Can you give us some sort of way of gauging what they Absolutely. look like? Yeah. A Dexter, a typical Dexter cow is like 800 pounds. Okay. And, uh, and maybe 900. As, as we, the breed has been improving. When we started out, it actually was on the spectrum of... Uh, endangered or whatever it was not endangered but it was on the on the that spectrum mm -hmm. so and there weren't very many in the country and now they're getting to be more and more and more because of uh, people are finding out the the good traits of them but anyway so the cow is like 800 pounds plus and the bulls 1100 1200 mm -hmm. pounds is not not unreal but they're relatively small uh, a lot of people uh, call them miniature cattle, but they truly are not miniatures. They're uh, they're the smallest continental breed. Oh, really? They started in Ireland and years ago, and um, came to the states in the at the turn of the century, and have evolved from there. All right. So this is a breed that was actually has a long history in Ireland, yeah. and so that's a sturdy, well-established animal. How well does it do in the climate of the Upper Midwest? Very well. They, it, that's that's one of the nice things about them. They they tolerate the heat, they tolerate the cold, um, and they're they're just pretty hardy. They don't require a lot of pampering, that kind of thing. As long as they have a little um, break from the wind mm -hmm. in the winter and some shade in the summer or some some uh, way, and they've got good good water and things, they they make do on. Uh, they can, if they need to, you know, some of the, the pastures that are not uh, the best quality. Mm -hmm. they, they'll eat things that other cattle will not, mm. and that kind of thing. Not not quite to the extent of a goat, uh -huh. but that they, they eat a... Uh, so they, they do a little that. browsing as well as just uh, eating grass? That's right. Now that's a plus <laughs> for a lot of people. Uh, some gra some cattle, I mean, they're, they'll only look at grass. And... Uh, they really have to be kind of guided to really exceptional pastures. So when you've got an animal like yours that you say is thrifty, it's capable, um, that really helps the person who might have a smaller holding, I would think. Well, they'll eat some weeds and uh, stubble, that kind of thing. Um, and certainly if, if their first chance is a good quality grass they'll go there first obviously Certainly. and things but but in in uh, hard times mm -hmm. drought times and things they'll thrive where others will not you know and that is really sometimes a hallmark of animals that have had a very long history of being unpampered as they were in ireland mm -hmm. so those, those that cattle had to do with what it had and it brings genetically that capability forward to us today. So, so would you suggest then that, that the Dexter might be an animal suitable to some people who are just getting in to livestock? I, I certainly think they would, and for more than just that reason. Uh, one of their claims to fame is their docility. Mm. Very mild-tempered as a breed. Uh, they're just like people, and they have their individual personalities. Mm -hmm. But as a breed and things, they're pretty gentle laid back, uh, don't have the mean streak that right. some, some do and that kind of thing. So that's another great reason why uh, people just getting into cattle can do it. The other thing, another thing is I think the organization, a lot of there's a, uh, as you can see from the group meeting today, you know, a lot of members coming together and there's not a lot of 
competition or cutback cutthroat uh, going on but it's just one farmer helping another yes and so uh, we um would kind of like to get a mentoring program going on in mm. fact and, and we've talked about that and but usually there's somebody close by or someone you buy your cattle from and that kind of thing who's willing to to walk you through it until you kind of get your feet established in the cattle business right you know here we are we're sitting at, at a very beautiful farm Birch Grove Farm in, in Deer Park, Wisconsin, owned by Kevin and Barb McEnany, who do all of the, the production here. And that's one of the things that has struck me in my conversations with Kevin, is the network that there is right nearby. Are there, Dexter's, however, are there other regional uh, districts around the United States? We have actually 12 different districts. Uh, there probably aren't that many, but they're like... Uh say 10 okay. and that kind of thing and but we have uh, some on the west western part to the, to the northwest pacific area mm -hmm. in the south and uh, in the northeast so all over and then also uh, i think oklahoma and kansas and uh, nebraska are, are okay. a district that kind of thing so yes they were just broken up so so we can get together in in uh, times like this for mm -hmm. so for because not the things that apply to upper Midwest mm -hmm. cows don't necessarily apply to those in, in southwestern United States. Right. The, so, the growing conditions, the weather conditions are so, so different. Right. Right. And Vaccinations so you, and everything. And it, there's just a variety. So right. this gives us the opportunity to, to focus on, on our uh, needs. Right. Now, during the, the time that you've been associated with the Dexters, have you seen much uh, growth in interest in this cattle? There have been. We are kind of having some growing pains actually as far as that goes. We've had so many uh, many new things we are growing in into it with the registry. You know how uh -huh. to get them registered and we now have it so eventually on a, a registered cattle you'll be able to prove by with, with science the way it is now we will be able to prove that that is the actual cow you bought. You know this this we know his sire and his dam and sure. so we we can prove that with now. the registry with the registry as it is yeah right and that has its its pros and cons but it's it's a, a way the adca has chosen to go to to make sure people are getting what they they buy now for those who might be interested in getting into livestock but may not have a big background in it how long does it take to get a dexter from birth to harvest condition that's a good question. The, generally, from uh, a 22 months is the old standard, mm -hmm. and that is a grain fed. And uh, there are a lot of people going into the grass fed now. Then it does take longer for mm -hmm. that type of thing. But typically, for the uh, if you you uh, grain them the last uh, couple of months mm -hmm. of of their before they go to harvest, then it's a 22 months, right. and then uh, from there on. Then, then you have excellent marbling, and that's one another good thing about the Dexters. Uh, the they marble well on grass, that kind of thing. That's so a plus. That's, it is a real plus, that kind of thing. You know, one of the things that strikes me too is uh, something that was mentioned, I think, by a number of people, in that the cuts of your beef tend to be on a more manageable side. I know sometimes I've gone, or I have previous in my previous life, I would go to a store and I'd take a look at a at a steak or a T-bone, and I'd think 
there's no way in the world this thing is going to be consumed in a day. You know, we're looking at something like 16 ounces. So are your cuts kind of a, a more edible kind of portions? They are, and that's one of our, uh, we, we like to tout too, you know, you, you can get a good quality steak. Mm. with the the good cut, the good quality, that kind of thing, the size of your fist, and uh, get a lot of them, and that, that uh, it works well. You, it doesn't fill the entire plate. You can just uh, have a nice, nice quality cut meat and enjoy the flavor without having to split it. With your leadership hat on for, for this regional district, what are you, when you look at five years, what do you hope to see? Or what do you think is coming down the bend? By that time, we will pretty much be um, have all the registered cattle that are registered with the American Dexter Cattle Association, which is the largest uh, Dexter registry in the world, by the way. Um, it will then we'll be able to prove that 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 animal is uh, by DNA testing, by science, that that's the animal. So and it just takes time to evolve to that sure. stage, and, and that's where, where we're headed. Uh, but also, with the, uh, the growth of the industry, that kind of thing, we want to, to learn. We need to do some uh, improvement in, in the software that makes the registry run. You know, some of the organizational, organizational things. type things. That, yeah. that we need some work that way. We need to... Uh, to work to improve some some customer relations, that kind of thing, and make a better, um, more timely uh, presence on some of the social media. The way uh, uh, you know that's something we haven't done in the past necessarily. So we we need to learn that and get to the point where we can use that to to help promote the the breed. Um, got a ways to go, but it's coming. As the afternoon was winding down, I had a chance to visit with two Dexter Association members. First, Tim Trost of Lone Oak Farm in Cannon Falls, Minnesota, and then Steve Lack of Stonehill Ranch in Stone Lake, Wisconsin. Both have been raising Dexters for about six years on farms with relatively small acreages. We'll hear from Tim first. I asked him what he's learned in this first half dozen years. The learning experience is working with animals, is especially taking the time to be with them in the pasture, uh, in the uh, when they're grazing, just the just the their their day day to day uh, their life, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, and wanted to, the, our children to learn about. Uh, that experience as well. Now, are you from a farming background? Uh, my parents were from a farming background, but uh, I grew up not on a farm. All right. And what have you found in the way of the meat that you're able to harvest from a Dexter? We love it. It's healthy. We we it's all grass fed. We um, don't feed them any grain. We don't feed them any supplements uh, except for kelp. So when you look forward. Okay, so here we are in 2017, and you look forward just five years maybe down the line. Any thoughts about what it is that you would see looking out at your farm and looking out at your Dexters? 
That's a good question. We uh, think about it and talk about it a lot, especially with our kids going off to college. Um, but I think it's in their blood now, and uh, they're going to be involved with it one way or another. Um, some, probably more than others, will mm-hmm. be. But uh, we've got a, a great uh, location for our Dexters, um, and we have fun explaining and educating people about the Irish Dexters. It's, uh, um, I mean, we're not into it that many years. We know nothing about them, and someone actually from... Iowa from uh, Urbandale, is that a, uh, near Des Moines? I was talking to him at a work conference and I said, what do you know about small breed uh, uh, cattle? And he said, have you heard of Dexter's? And I said, no, I have not. And uh, so he said, you should check, check into Dexter's. And we did, we were looking at other breeds and uh, chose Dexter's. Steve Lack then described his restoration efforts and why he thinks the future of the Dexter in America is a bright one. I'm experimenting to see how much I can get on 28 acres and sustain it. So that's my goal. Well, you're always learning. It's a big learning curve. So you're always, every year you're always learning how to, how to change things and how to, you know, how to make it better, you know? Yeah. What works, what doesn't. Now, is your land flat or do you have some kind of... Very hilly. Very hilly. Yes. Okay, so are you finding that the quality and quantity of pasture changes depending on where on a, on your land they graze? Um, it was probably poor land because it wasn't farmed. I mean, it was actually, it was all corn at one time. Okay. All the land was. And I turned it all back into... Into pasture. Pasture. Yeah. Wow. And hayfield, so... Did you have to recede? Yes. You did. Was that hard to learn about, that receding uh aspect of it? Yeah, I've had some farmers helping me, you know, to get it all back to, you know, and I check with the old farmers that know how to do it the regular way. Yeah, yeah. But they had put atrazine before that, and you know what atrazine is. So I have to get past all that. Wow. Get it all out of it, you know what I mean? So So in addition to raising dexters, you're really restoring the land. Yeah, yep, exactly. Would you recommend dexters to others? I would, yep. Especially if you have small land and it's the first time you ever got into them, yeah. into cows. I believe that we are in a pendulum swinging from big corporate farms. Mm-hmm. We're going back to small farms again. Mm. And I believe that's what's starting to swing that way again. And that's why I got into Dexter's for, just for that reason. Because I know the future that for them is going to be Um, it's going to have a good future for those cows. I really enjoyed spending the day with those Dexter cattle guys and gals. If you'd like to know more about the Dexter cattle breed, go to www.dextercattle.org. Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.